This is the Average Guy Network, and you have found Home Gadget Geeks show number 251, recorded on March 10th, 2016. Here at Home Gadget Geeks, we cover all the favorite tech gadgets in News, reviews, product updates, and conversation, all for the average tech guy. I'm your host, Jim Collison, broadcasting live from the Average Guy TV studios here in beautiful Bellevue, Nebraska. I, mean, I cannot believe, Zach, like spring is here, my my friend. I cannot believe how nice the weather is getting. If this is what global warming is all about, bring it on. Uh, average temperatures are about 50 usually now. We were in the 70s, almost 80s today, of course. Yeah. And uh, We post the show with world-class show notes out at theaverageguy.tv. You can also join us live on our new mobile app. It's hardly new. We've had it for a while. I want to thank LastPass for the sponsorship of that mobile app available for both Android and iPhone. The easiest way to get it, just in your browser, navigate out to homegadgetgeeks.com, download it for free. You can listen to us live, which is the best part. Uh, We're streaming live on Spreaker right now, and if you were in some spot where you could not get to us, the easiest way to listen is at homegadgetgeeks.com, either on your Android or iPhone. We'll thank LastPass for their sponsorship of our mobile app. Home Gadget Geeks, of course, is a part of the Geeks Network. Find the link to this show and many other great podcasts, including Open Mic Night. And no, Mike Weger is not here this evening. Uh, Mike is out. You know, Mike broke his leg, and we talked about that last week. And then, unfortunately, he had to go skiing this week. He is not doing the skiing. That would be torture. Uh, but it's uh, he is out for the week, and so uh, we'll just we'll remind you his podcast, Open Mic Night, available on the Geeks Network, thegeeksnetwork.com. All right, well, our guest tonight, Zach Fowler. Zach is uh, all things smartness at UNO, University of Nebraska at Omaha. Thanks. Works works at a, as the director. What's your title up there in the director act? IT outreach? Nice, and really runs kind of a similar program uh, to what I do with college students. A little different in the sense that it's on campus and you have your students come in, but you've got a cadre. We we call it the attic. What's the what's up with the attic name? How did you guys come up with this? Uh, this you know, I think it was Ken Dick that coined that phrase for us. He's one of the professors here where we started this project. But when we first started doing these kinds of development projects, basically, we were kind of tucked up on the third floor of PKI, off in the corner. Nobody would go there unless they were going to see us, for the most part. So. Somebody said attic, and it kind of stuck. It's up there, literally on the third floor, tucked away. How many, how many folks are, or how many students do you have working there in the attic? Uh, you know, typically it depends on the semester. We fill the lab based on the workstations we have, and right now that's right around, I think, 14 students I have, awesome. and I just hired three more that are going to start next week. So excited to get the newbies in in the shop. Very cool. Sounds like I need to come over and poach a few, maybe. Yeah, few about more. that. No. <laughs> We uh, here in the community, uh, for for most of you who listen uh, to Home Gadget Geeks, you know I'm a recruiter for Gallup. That's one of the things I do. IT, we do internship programs. Uh, every once in a while, we'll run across one of Zach's employees and we'll poach them and bring them over to Gallup. And it's a great service, Zach. It's really, I mean, y- you take great pride in what you do at the attic. Um, give the listeners some idea, like what are some of the projects that you guys and you don't you don't know don't name companies and that kind of stuff, but. Oh, what kind like of what Gallup? kinds of projects that no do you guys work on it, it in the attic there? What what would a student expect to work on if they were there? So most of what we do are um, web development projects. They may be 
brochure sites for like a nonprofit. Uh, it might be a uh, web application for the college in-house. Uh, we've done some registration systems for the campus. Uh, and then we're, we've been doing some different work with UNMC where we're doing some learning modules where some of their professors might want to try something a little bit more than maybe Blackboard. Uh, so we basically build something that might be a little custom for their residents and things. Uh, we've done a couple of mobile apps as well, and the students built one called MavMate, where the the biggest feature right now is you can get the you can get the campus food menus on on the device, and we it's we sync deal. it. It is a big it's a, deal. It's a big food menus are a big deal. In it is. We we synchronize with the Scott Hall Scott Conference Center, uh, and so you can swipe through and see what's for lunch over at Scott Hall. Uh, and you know a couple other things like that. So, does the attic have its own website? If someone wanted to take a peek at, do you guys have like a landing page where you folks bet, can go? You bet. It is attic, a t t i c dot i s t dot u n omaha dot edu. U n omaha dot edu. We'll put those in the show notes um, for you as well. Thank you. Um, and yeah, no, very cool. I, it's it's one of these things, you know, as we work in the Omaha community, it's no secret, I talk about this all the time on the podcast, we are trying to develop students into software developers, right? Mm -hmm. and, and there's a huge need, the city of Omaha by itself. The number, the last number I heard, we're short about 2,500 IT workers wow. every single year here in the city of Omaha. Many of those get filled. Uh, we have a lot of international students that come in from India, now China as well that come in and fill those spots for us and uh, and so we partner at Gallup, we partner a lot with UNO, University of Nebraska at Omaha, we'll refer to it as UNO for the rest of the in interview, just like UNO, you know, it's like that card yeah. game, UNO. We partner with UNO and UNL here, but uh, Univel University of Nebraska at Lincoln, that's the big school, although UNO attendance numbers I think are beginning to, to get pretty close, aren't they? Do you know, are you in do you keep track of that at all? How close are UNL and UNO in numbers? Uh, how close they are, I don't know, but I think we're in the 16,000s at this point for students mm. at UNO. So I have a little ways to go. I think they're in the 30s at the big school. But it is one of those kinds of things. UNO is growing at an amazing rate. And, and I know the passion. I meet with the deans over there all the time and, and the passion to bring more students in and really getting them you know, to, to train them to be software developers and to be great computer engineers and computer scientists. I mean, I think that's kind of the that's kind of the goal and the mission. I've worked, Zach, I've worked with you five years, I think, maybe four or five years. We've yeah. known each other in the community now. Yeah, and that's right about right. I can't believe it took me this long to get you on, uh, on Home Gadget Geeks. We were talking the other day, and I'm like, hey, why don't I just have you on the show? And uh, we just had never gotten it done, and so good to have you on. You're a fellow Gadget Geek. And uh, we are going to talk, you know, our jobs and what we do are software development. We're not going to really talk much about that tonight. But Zach's got some gadgets that he wants to bring in. And, uh, and first, before he does that, let me just say, last week it was nice to take a week off from Home Gadget Geeks. I got an opportunity to go skiing. We took a whole bunch of tech with us. Uh, I built in a set of earbuds into my ski helmet. We were streaming things and talking on the phone. And, and actually, we were in Loveland Pass in Colorado. I had great connectivity the whole time. I, in fact, I got frustrated at one point as I was skiing because my phone, I was listening to Pandora, had a sweet 80s channel on, by the way, and 
and it, it kept cutting, you know, the notifications kept cutting the music in and out because of the notifications I was getting. It was the one time I kind of only wanted to listen to music, and I was getting too many alerts, you know, on my phone, and I could know I could have shut all that stuff off, but it was one of those kinds of things. I eventually shut down all the tech and uh, just kind of listened to the, you know, just kind of listened to nature. It was kind of nice. It's kind of nice to disconnect every once in a while, and so... No show last week, and uh, many of you, I encourage many of you to do something analog and spend time with your family or do something different, get away from your computers. I hope you got a chance to do that, and it's always nice to get away on that. Zach, uh, you you happen to have, we're not going to talk about this, but I want to get your opinion on it. You work uh, almost a stone's throw from the only Bitcoin ATM in the city of Omaha, I'm pretty sure, down at Jones Brothers. Have you yeah. checked that out? Is that something? Are you interested in Bitcoin at all? And have you checked that out? I was I was interested in Bitcoin when it was twenty dollars uh, a coin, and I said, I don't know, it's a little high right now. Surprise! <laughs> yeah, I wonder what it's at today. Oh, it's a lot more than twenty dollars. Yeah, uh, yeah. But uh, no, actually, uh, I met a gentleman out there one time, and he uh, he shares the Bitcoin. Uh, uh, Getting people to use Bitcoin as a way to pay and everything, so uh, you know he gave us a sample of how it works there with the ATM and and paid for some coffee with some Bitcoin. Four hundred and sixteen dollars. Yeah, that coin. was that, that was kind of a missed investment opportunity, <laughs> I think. Uh, don't you hate that? Yeah, you, I do. You see it coming, and you're like, oh, I could have so. I we I remember talking about it too when it was in the teens, mm-hmm. and I was like, no, oh, no. And everybody was generating their own bitcoins at that point. It's not like the system was there where you could, like it is today. I mean, there's really an ecosystem today. In those early days, the ecosystem was a little sketchy, <laughs> and you know, like, oh. it may still be. I don't know. Yeah. Well, you know, we've had. Um, oh, who did I have? I had um, his name is escaping me. But from Alpha Bitcoin on, it'll come to me here in just a second. I, you know, I don't know. I mean, there's a couple exchanges that are up and running and legit, and it's working. And, I mean, it's it's getting some traction in some of the bigger tech conferences. And so I'm looking at Coindesk right now, Coindesk.com, um, trading 4.1626 a, a coin. I, no, I think it's got a chance. I don't think it's going to ever be gigantic uh, from uh, – I mean – I think it has its best chance in international currency, right? That's where it's really suited best yeah, could be. um, to work. So, but I just know you're down there. I mean, that UNO area that you work, right, down in Stenson Park and down in the Exarbon uh, complex down there. I just saw they put a new building in as well. I'm trying to remember who that was for. I just saw the face of it go up uh, a couple of weeks ago. You guys built a brand new arena down there, the Baxter yeah. Arena. Mm-hmm. Baxter um, Arena, yeah. Did you get a chance? Have you had a chance to be in there? Oh yeah, yeah. I've gone. We the staff got a uh, like a you know tour day where you could just go over and check things out. Um, and so we went over there and we skated on the ice rink, walked around, and you know the food vendors were practicing and, and selling things. Um, but I went over for the hockey game and then also for uh, when the president came through. Right. Uh, we got some tickets and we were able to go over there and check it out. Any interesting tech in there? That you saw, or is it is it pretty standard? Well, it hides. It hides pretty well. Um, when it was open for the staff day, we went up and we checked out the press room, and and I missed my opportunity to go in the catwalk. I would have enjoyed that, but uh, and they have some really interesting. You know, I don't know what other places run honestly for their you know sports arena, video broadcast stuff. I thought it was cool because they had a whole lot of TVs and a whole lot of switchboards, and you know that's always cool. 
Um, but I've talked to the network guys at UNO, and, and they're talking about, you know, the things that they were doing to try to get capacity for people in the networks. And uh, uh, from what I understand, there may be some boxes under some seats instead of up in the ceilings, so you have better coverage here and there. Closer, uh, just proximity, closer, just closer right? yeah. than, so you, than all the way up there. Yeah. Yep, so you're sitting on, you know, a radio box. Um, otherwise, uh, otherwise, you know, you don't, it's there, it's fancy, and the, the screens are great, yeah. and, you know, they're very, they're very good high-definition screens. Uh, but otherwise, the technology kind of hides in, in a good way. Mm -hmm. Now, they have, a, they have an app that somebody built for the the experience, the the Mav experience or something, and uh, I didn't get to check it out while I was there for the game, but uh, I understand that's supposed to be kind of from here to your seat. Where's the food and you know specials, I guess that kind of stuff. Yeah, I think augmented reality is his best chance in that kind of situation. Like you're in a new arena and you want to, yeah, know, it, it, it can yeah. say, hey, what do you want? You want corn dogs? You want this? You want that? A burger? Whatever? And it, and Where it just, is it? And, an arrow pops up, right, and it just just leads you right to the spot uh, in the stadium, maybe where it is, or to give you ads throughout. Hey, we're running specials, you know, um, you know those kinds of things uh, during an event. So very cool that 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 arena is down there. I can't believe, you know, we've been in Omaha for 30 years, and that was just a dive, and it has that area has really come to life. Yeah, isn't I think one of the uh, restaurants on the corner was featured on like. Dives, dives, dives and something. diners or something yeah, like that. Dives and diners. Could have been. It's a beautiful park. I mean, they have really done a nice job of a mixed... Well, we bring our interns in, our technology interns. We house them there at um, Scott Village. And, um, you know, they have access to really cool movie theaters, um, a Walmart, a Walmart that's just down the street. Um, you've got a lot of places shopping. Microsoft has their Omaha headquarters uh, there in that, in that facility. And now we have a brand new arena. And yeah, so it's, and it's cool. you know, I, I came to school at UNO, and when they opened their first and second dorms, that's when I was a student, and gosh, we would have really loved to have some of the stuff in walking distance that's there now. It makes you wish you could just go back to school. Oh, hey, it? I never left. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're still there. How long have you been at the attic? Uh, 11 years. Oh, 11. I yeah. know. Well, you're a, you're a fellow gadget geek, and I've been uh, I've been trying to, like I said before, uh, we we talk about this show from time to time. Good to find the heavy on. Let's dive in a little bit. Well, one of the things that you showed me the time, you know, we try to get together once a quarter, just kind of catch up on what's going yeah, on. Yeah, we should we do that again. Far, we, I know. Grab a beer down at uh, DJ's, and mm -hmm. uh, and then you, so you showed me this new coin, kind of all in one. Get all your cards in one. So I can talk about it, a little bit about it. The website's onlycoin.com, and some good and bad stuff. So let's talk a little bit about it. Sure, sure. So I got, uh, I think I heard about it on like a Twitter blast where people were talking about this new device, come out and get your credit card all in one device, and, and I ended up getting one. It's credit card size, and it uses a combination of really small tech, and I got on the waiting list, and it took them way longer than I thought to actually ship them. So you know, it, you know, you do a Kickstarter campaign like this. I think I got it for fifty bucks, and uh, so I'm like, okay, we'll see. Finally, so long after long wait, they kind of I think the company learned how to manage PR a little bit more after they made some mistakes. You know, learn by doing. Um, so I so I got the device and was, have been trying it out. It's like I said, size of a credit card. It has a regular magnetic strip on the back, 
and they, you know, I've got my name on it and my signature, which of course you can't see that great, but that's good. Um, and on the front, though, it uh, it has kind of an e-ink display where you can push the button and cycle through the cards that you load onto the device. So I've got two magnetic stripe cards on there, and it's supposedly fully compatible with any card that can be swiped, and it's got a companion mobile app where you basically you use the app to load the number or take a picture, and then it, you know, OCR recognizes the, uh, the credit card number or whatever, gift cards, swipes, you know, anything that's swipeable can be synced to the coin, and you can do, I think, eight, eight cards on this device. Oh, that's it. Yeah, yeah. Just eight. I mean, just eight. That's that's all. If you have more than eight credit cards, well, but, but you might have like I carry two, and then I might have some. You know, I might have my Starbucks card, although that's really convenient to use in an app. But you know, well, so maybe eight's enough. No, yeah. no, no pun intended. Yeah. Well, some of the so one of the chat uh, uh, guys here, Drasha, was saying that uh, his broke, and mine did too. The funny thing about electronics and credit cards is, you know, my wallet is a wad of bills which wrap, not very many bills, by the way, which wrap my driver's license. And then I shove it in my pocket. Well, delicate electronics tend to break when you sit on them or bend them more than you're supposed to. So um, I don't know what happened. It wasn't that, actually. The battery started running low or both, but it kind of got flaky. How so they you charge it? You don't. So this is a, this is a one-time battery that's supposed to last two years. Wow. Supposed to. And they say that's dependent on how much you cycle it and how much the screen, the e-ink changes, because, of course, it only needs it to change the screen. Um, but it's got Bluetooth LTE to do the syncing to your phone. Uh, I'm not sure how much juice it uses for that, but it has a feature where, you know, when you get fur far enough away from your phone, it locks the device. So the coin will lock uh, when it gets too far away and everything. So, you know, there's some... There's some interesting features on the app where it'll tell you the last place that your phone registered GPS and the coin. So if it's lost, you could go and look that up. Um, or if it's in proximity, you could lock it from your phone so people can't swipe it and try to swipe it, actually, uh, while you're around. So Now, swipe is changing in the U.S. I mean, we're in that process over the next two years of moving completely to the chip. Uh, for most part, there's great financial reasons uh, and incentives here in the United States for merchants to switch over to chip. Uh, today, if you swipe, uh, it's your responsibility. As the merchant, you are now taking, as of, I think, January 1st, you're taking responsibility from that from a from a um, fraud standpoint, whereas if you're using the chip, that goes back into the financial institution. Taking So from the consumer standpoint, it makes great sense to have the chip enabled. Talk a little bit about that. Is it, it says it's EMV and NFC ready. What does that mean, and what's been your experience? So, so far my experience has been um, I, have, I don't have any cards that have the chip on. Maybe I have one card that has the chip, but I'm not using the chip day-to-day, -day, right? I'm still swiping. Gas stations, most terminals... Um, still swipe, so I'm still swiping. Um, one of the big things while the coin was getting ready to launch was, well, hey, in about a year or two, you're going to need that EMV. Where is it? And the story that I understand is, oh, it's not coming. 
where we do not have plans to put that chip on the device. Now, I don't know what it would take to re-engineer the hardware to support it, but I imagine that is a big component of selling this device, so they're going to want to do that. Um, but this new version of the coin, it's a new hardware that they started shipping. Um, if your card supports tap-to-pay because of the chip that's on it, like if your normal card from the bank, uh, Chase or Citibank or whatever it is, then supposedly the coin will also take that functionality and this new coin 2.0 has an NFC capability. So I've got a little Wi-Fi symbol or NFC symbol on the back there and supposedly I could do tap to pay with the coin if the, if the bank and the, the card that they issue supports it. Now, my bank does not. My bank is a little behind the times in that regard, and they do not do tap to pay. So even with Android Pay, somebody said in the chat, you know, my bank doesn't do Android Pay even if I'm paying with my mobile. Um, but if I did have tap to pay on one of my credit cards, supposedly it would work. Unfortunately, I haven't had a chance to try. Because <laughs> it's not working? Well, because my, my bank card doesn't do the NFC oh, right. tap to pay anyway. So whatever their connections are, they're not talking. And I don't know all about why that is, but um, that's apparently the story. So I'll be honest, in the United States, this implementation has been a nightmare. I mean, it has not, with this switch over from swipe to tap or swipe to chip, has not been, it's, it hasn't been communicated well. There's all kinds of weird things with it. You know, you say, well, hey, so my bank isn't up to speed. There's a lot of places that, that aren't keeping up, right? And, and, yeah. and what, the, what the rules said is, hey, the onus of responsibility for liability will end on this date. And a lot of merchants have said, you know what? I'm willing to deal with it, Mike. So, yeah. okay, you know, Chinese food restaurants, you know, we're talking about, you know, $10 transactions or whatever, right? $30 yeah. transactions. Hey, I'm not going to spend a bunch of money right now to put all this expensive equipment in to make it work. I, some of them have even said they felt hostage, mm. like they're being held hostage by this because, hey, you know, now I have to do this. I hate being mandated to be told I got to switch equipment. And of course, you know, anytime you switch those kinds of vendors or those kinds of that kind of chip management, the vendors just take advantage of it, right? They just ask. Yeah. Let me. Let me put an extra dollar on that monthly fee you're charging, or per yeah, per payment. Oh, tap to pay? That is way more complicated. We better charge you for that extra. Oh, these POS systems are going to take. It's way different than everything else, and that's going to cost you another five thousand bucks, right? Rennie says uh, in Australia, uh, he's he's there. Uh, anything under a hundred dollars is uh, pay wave, and anything over a hundred is chip and pin. And chip and chip is working here in the U.S. There's a lot of places where the chip has been enabled and it's working, but not every place. From that standpoint, I wanted to target the other day. Swipe the card. Uh, it says, of course, insert the card. The one drawback to the chip system it takes forever. Like it adds an extra thirty or forty-five seconds to every single transaction mm. you do. Mm. Think about the number. Think about that time at Walmart. How that's right. multiplied of people. And you know, the merchants just standing there, and you're just standing there, and it's just. It's thinking, you know. <laughs> it's just thinking, exactly. and everybody, you're looking. Everybody's looking at each other uncomfortably. <laughs> you're like, What's it, you know, kind of thing. And so, it has not. I mean, it has not been great. The yeah. the, chip, the chip. Now, I imagine two years from now, it'll be better, right? Everybody will have switched, and we'll work out the kinks, and we'll get it going. But it's just a nightmare here in the U.S. I can't. You, you go some places, and I don't. I mean, 
some of the some of you know the targets and the WalMarts and some of the big box stores are are making it work. But and then I I don't know about you NFC. Like what NFC? That's such a. I mean, some people have bought into it, others have not. It's the Apple Pay is kind of there, but it's not. I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? Oh, I loved it. Um, I actually was a very early adopter with the NFC Tap to Pay on Verizon's network. So I don't even remember how it happened, but I was I was scanning the apps that Verizon wants to give you when you go to the App Store. I'm on and I'm on Android, and uh, I saw this new app. It said like Verizon or like. Uh, what was it called? It was purple. It was called. It was called ISIS. It was actually called ISIS. Uh, they eventually they actually switched their name during you know yeah, all you the ISIS. Stuff. It, yeah. it was called ISIS. Yeah, that's awesome. But so you had to go to Verizon. You had to get a new uh, SIM card that was encrypted or something. But then you this ISIS software hooked you up to like an American Express uh, Express Pay whatever. So it was kind of like a, a third party bank. You preloaded with money. And then you tap to pay. It worked great. I was tapping to pay my Christmas presents uh, for my nephews at Toys R Us, uh, and they were doing rewards to try to do adoption and everything. Put the phone on the terminal, tap to pay, and I was kind of freaking out a lot of the uh, uh, cashiers because they hadn't seen it. They're like, well, what is this? This is cool. Um, so that was working really good. So I had a card that accepted tap to pay, and then the app worked with the phone. But then Google said, Google Wallet, and Verizon said, huh, what are we going to do? Long story short, ISIS slash SoftCard does not exist anymore, so I don't have that American Express serve, and again, my bank doesn't do tap-to-pay cards for anything except Apple, so I'm kind of out of luck. But I did do tap-to-pay, and I did enjoy it, and every once in a while, I'll try putting my phone on um, like the gas station pumps. And those were the most... Those are the ones that actually worked the best. Yeah. Where the the come and goes and you know the gas you just drop it on the drop it on the terminal and it worked. So yeah. supposedly, if my card would ever support tap to pay, I could do that with a coin. We shall see. Yeah, it's still messy. It is messy, but it's I I enjoyed messy. it. I did like yeah. it. So. Yeah, I have yet. Um, there's some oh, chat in the chat room. There's some this. talk <laughs> in the chat room. Yeah, we've invoked the NSA. Uh, from this standpoint, so here in the United States, at least it's been my experience, uh, is we've gone to merchants that are requiring the chip that you swipe, and then it says insert chip, and so, you know your card is chipped. Insert that, so you insert it, and I, I literally stand there for 15 or 20 seconds waiting for that thing. It flashes, 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 flashes. Then it finally, you look at each other, you look at the merchant. Hey, hey, how's it going? Uh, nice shirt, you know, whatever. And then it. It eventually kicks over and says, "Okay, transaction done." You pull that card out. That's a really slow process. Every every time I've had to insert a chip, it's been a slow process. Now, tap to pay is a different story. That's been those have been working a lot faster when we think mm-hmm. about going in and doing the tap and that kind of thing. I'd so. say it's comparable to a swipe. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. In a lot of cases, and then a lot of merchants are doing a lot of things with dollar amounts to make that you know under thirty or some of those kinds of things. They're not even authenticating. In a lot of cases, it's just automatically going through. They're collecting your information so they can find you again, but a lot of times they're not. Uh, at least the ones we're working with, we're not even messing with. So, it's uh, it's kind of messy. Um, you know, I the implementation is. It was funny. Panera was one of the first ones to replace all their, and then they would tape over because they weren't ready yet. So they would tape over because, and then people would try and jam those tap to tape. <laughs> I mean, to try and jam them in with the tape, and it, you know. 
I know it should work, and I know it should have been good, but it has not. It has not been a good system. And now, like, you know, so you think about that. Uh, I'm going to go buy some gas. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got all these different options. Well, how does the how does the coin handle the, you know, whenever I make an online transaction and it wants that number, that three-digit number off the card? Yeah, how okay. How handling that part? Well, remember, a coin is just the physical replacement of the card. So online transactions, you're still doing, you know, whatever you want. Um, in the app that you get <clears throat> with the coin, you put in all of your data into the app. I haven't tried to reverse engineer the app to see how secure it is. We're not going to go down there, but the, the credit card number, the C- CVV code on it, expiration date, all of that is in the app uh, on, on your phone. So it's kind of been nice because when I forgot my card or if I forget my number, I can actually pull up my credit card within the app. So I am taking that risk that all my credit card numbers are on my phone, uh, but that's how you sync the thing. Right. Uh, you load the, on your phone and then you sync it over. So, did well, I answer your question? Secured by a password, though. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah, secured by a password, though. So. Well, yes and no. So the so the coin does two things in the app. Um, the app itself is actually secured by a tap code, like Morse code. So you have to type in on the app when you open the app. You have to tap the screen in your pattern. Long, short, short, long you know, whatever it is, and then when you sync the device, it actually syncs that to the coin, and you hit the button to match the code. And that's actually what I did last week. I put in the wrong code, and then you get you get three tries, and then it erases the memory of the card. Mm. Nope, no ifs, ands, or buts. Just three times, you're done. I have to say the user interface for, like, are you typing it in wrong? Is it ready to input? Because the very first touch you do on it is like the wake me up or is it or is it my first tap so I usually try it at least two times uh, so when it's away from the if it's close to the phone it will unlock automatically but if it's far away from the phone or if I have Bluetooth off and it's just the plastic card I have to do the tap code on the button Okay. Um, and awesome. it, it works out it's weird because I have to remember the tap code I can tell you it's right. just you know, it's not a pin, it's it's not a fingerprint, it's this button press, and the thing already feels kind of flimsy, so you have, yeah. to, you have to push kind of hard. So average guy adoption, uh, if we think one to five, one being easy, five being incredibly difficult, what, what, what kind of scale would you put this coin on? I, w- I would put it right in the middle of, a, of in the three. Okay. So average adoption, I think you get it set up and it working the first time you're good. Um, I've had problems syncing the coin, and I literally spent 15 minutes before the session resyncing because I locked myself out, and it didn't work. But then when I put the coin on the other side of my phone, it worked. Could be a Bluetooth radio issue, who knows? So it was very touchy on the sync, and the sync is pretty important. Um, I would say that it is very hit and miss, especially here in Omaha. You know, they say, oh, so much. You know, it works everywhere. Most places it does, but when it doesn't, it doesn't. And for example, if if I go to the restaurant and they many times they they check it out, they use it, uh, you know, you cycle to the card that you're supposed to use. The waiter may hit the button again, right? Right. Um, right. So I better be okay with that. Uh, so far, that hasn't actually happened, but if it doesn't work, it doesn't work, and you can tell them the number, they can key it in. 
if they choose to accept that, right? Because now I've got this weird technology device, and then I'm going to, if it doesn't work, I'm going to ramble off a 16-digit credit card number by memory or, or look it up on my phone or something, and then maybe it may or not be suspicious, depending on your social engineering tactics. And you don't, you don't carry the card as a backup? That's what I have to do. Yeah. So while the coin is a great idea and I really, it's really fun and I enjoyed getting it, especially you know early adoption kind of stuff, I'm not confident to go out without it because I don't have a second way. So I usually have my card, the main card that I use, with me anyway. Because if it doesn't work at a gas station, I'm totally screwed. If it doesn't work at a restaurant, you know, um, hold on, let me. Well, hopefully my wife is there and she can cover us. But uh, so I want it to be there. But you got to be okay with that risk that if it doesn't work, you've got a backup. Worth the hundred bucks is Jeff. Jeff's question out in the chat room is it worth a hundred bucks? So you, I know you paid fifty, but we. I paid fifty. You know, I I don't know. That's a tough call for me um, because one of the goals is to lessen the thickness of your wallet, right? You got this thing, it's supposed to cover your swipes. Um, it doesn't work with my bank's tap to pay feature, so that would have been better. I have to carry a backup card, so it's not really adding anything. So if you want to try the new tech, rock on. You know, their com competitors coming out here soon, plastic. Um, I don't know what they're going to be like. But the thing with a coin that's nice is it's a one-time it's a one-time cost. Um, you buy the hardware and that's it. For the plastic one, I think there is a subscription uh, There's subs subscription included. It says when you buy now, a um, little bit more expensive. I'm not really sure what the subscription covers. It's on the website, so we can all read that, I guess. Yeah. Um, I, I I don't know. Maybe if you can get it for a discount, 100 bucks is kind of a lot for. Yeah. Well, it's, it's cutting edge, right? You're you're yeah. you are an early adopter on something like this, and yeah, like and all I, early adopters, you run into these kinds of problems. I mean, I, I don't. It's not ready for prime time, obviously, at this point. Yeah, yeah. So it's fun. I like it. I've you know you always get that. What the heck is that? That's cool. Mm -hmm. You know, and uh, when it works, it's great. But I don't trust it enough to only take it with right. me. So when they say only coin, only coin maybe plus a backup credit card or cash maybe. <laughs> On the other yeah. side, if I could use that as a way to limit my funds or to budget myself, take fifty bucks in cash, and if the coin doesn't work, that's it. Right. Return right. to return to the store. Well, put it back on the shelf. It's a that's that's a tough deal, right? Because that's a little you know you're like ah you're up front. You're like, no, I'm sorry, my tech doesn't work. I'm out. I'm just gonna leave this here and walk out. That's yeah. a little odd, you know. Yeah. Um, you know, it's what's tough about it. I was looking for my wallet, but I think I left it upstairs. Um, what's tough about it is I'm down to, you know, my wallet. I carry one credit card, chipped. A backup mm -hmm. credit card, chipped. Right. Works everywhere at this point. Both of those will work everywhere. Right. Um, not, yeah. Not that much space in my wallet. Uh, right. Those two. There's a couple, like I, I have a Starbucks card and a few other things in there, AAA card and my driver's license, right? That's yeah. my wallet. And um, it all works, you know, and it's tough. I've, I've, I'll, I'll be honest, I've even struggled to mess with the tap to pay or the NFC stuff on the phones, using the wallet apps on the phones. And let me tell you why. I know when you travel, right, and you, now you can get these, you know, you can get your tickets, right, on here yeah. and drop them into your wallet or drop them into your passport, depending right. on which, what you're using. Inevitably, 
you go up there, like you're gonna put that thing down for the the guy, you know, for the uh, the uh, TSA. Mm-hmm. It, the screen turns off. Yeah. Yep. All right, pick it back or, up. Uh, you need to up the brightness. Exactly. Right. Yeah. And then all right, so you go. So you get through, and then you go up there. You're you're gonna show it to the you know United or Southwest, or whatever. You go to get up. Inevitably, screen goes off. Right. And you know, oh, hold on. And then we were getting on the plane the other day, and some gal was like, hold on, I know, uh, I just, I can't find it. And she's frantically going through her phone. And the, the steward, or the, the, uh, the, 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 who's the, at the gate, taking it. Yeah. It's like, hey, we could go print you a paper one, if that, you know, kind of deal. And I just found, <laughs> and this is going to sound weird, and I'm a tech guy, right? That's going to find, I just found getting to the airport and, and doing the paper. Like, I just print the paper, fold it around my, my license, put it in my pocket, Super easier way to go through and get it all done. You hand it, you go to Southwest, you just hand it to them, you walk on the plane. That way, like, you, you're still texting, hand them the paper, and you're good. Yeah. You're still checking email as you're walking in, right? So right. Listen, now, now, listen, uh, I'm gonna get hate mail on this one. I know for sure. It's like, oh, Jim, how dare you? Like this technology works great. I don't think it does. And I mean, it, there's there's some there's some areas it's great. So, you know, I love like checking in on my phone for the flight. You know, so with the apps and those kinds of things. But at the airport, there's so many stressful things. It's just like when you're when you're going those through these transactions at the store. I just want the thing to work. Right. Like I don't want to log in and fire it up and make it work and you know tap it. Oh, hold on. Oh, wait a minute. I'm not ready. You know, yeah. how, how many my times my technology is not ready for you. Yeah, well, it, you know. Oh, wait a minute. Hold on. I've done that at the store where I'm trying to buy something and they're like, oh, I want to use, you know, can I use this? Oh, hold on. And then they got to set something up to get ready. And then, mm-hmm. you know, you're just like, the cart just works. So it's it's one of those kinds of things I love. However, that being said, I think there's some really cool things coming when we think about the consolidation of this stuff. I don't think this is the solution, by the way. I don't think what you have is the solution, but together, those two together... Right. We'll bring something really cool. We'll have to we'll have to iterate on this a whole bunch before it I, really gets good. I could see you know tap to pay on the the, the smartwatches as an option. You know if the NFC is is going to end up being as well. You know, if it works as well as I hope it will, that could be an option. I don't know. There's uh you're right. I think there's definitely a a disruption in the how to pay, not just where your money is. It, it needs time though. I think yeah. is is what uh, Drashna put in there. He put in the link to plastic, uh, mm-hmm. and he just says uh, plastic is full uh, EMB um, as well. Works with chip and pin, where coin doesn't. So, um, Drashna, can you put the subscription? I guess we can look that up. Oh, that's actually good. That's right. Uh, Drashna just pushed out a link. Uh, coin has been. They have announced partnerships with Mastercard and Visa, uh, and there's a developer kit to do more with wearable payment devices. That's all I know. Huh. I, was on the, I was on the email list. Yeah, what does that mean? <laughs> Wearable pay, payment Wear, devices? Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't Watches, maybe? Maybe earrings for one one for this card and one for this card? I don't know. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah. It's, it's, it's interesting stuff. I think it's early days. So these are... You know, these are 8088 machines from from 1984 uh, as computers, and we still have a long way to go before this market matures, I believe. Um, I think, at least here in the United States, we I, I think we got to get merchants to be a little more savvy with with what we're doing. They there's and there's huge expenses associated with this. You know, changing your point of sale systems over is not cheap, and getting all those systems set up. Drashno was mentioning earlier. 
in chat. The reason it's so slow on the chip side is because they're using maybe outdated, uh, you know, communication systems that are slow based on the old credit card systems, which the new chip is sending more data, so that means there's more latency built into the system. They need to update their, you know, their, their communication systems to handle more of the data. So, uh, it, it's one of those kinds of things that I think we've got a ways to go. Maybe five years from now, we'll be having this conversation again, and we'll all be we'll have figured out a way to get it done, and it will be awesome. Today, as a consumer and as a tech guy, it's just easier to use a card. <laughs> you know, I'd say, I carry I'd two say with me. Two. I'd say that. Yeah. 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 Two cards is all I need. Uh, Chase card, Bank of America, one backs up the other, and uh, if I do get in a bind, um, you know, one doesn't work, I can use the other. Oh, the other cards I carry, I carry one for the credit union that I work, you know, that I'm that I'm at there for Gallup, and one for our Bank of the West uh, accounts that is there. So four cards in the wallet, and uh, that seems to work out pretty well. Any other thoughts on that before we move on? You just, you know, you when you see this stuff, you want it to work really good. Oh, you do. And. Uh, Super stoked, but you know it's good. I'm not. I'm not. Uh, I don't regret trying it out for by any means. No, we need we need early adopters. You know, thanks for taking the brunt for us, uh, both on <laughs> Kickstarter <laughs> and on the on the usage of it. We do need that, right? If if nobody's doing these things, we never learn anything from it. And mm -hmm. and unfortunately, I mean, I think of all the things we've tried that were broken. That got better because people gave feedback because people did things. But that absolutely needs to work. You know, one of the products that maybe is working really well right out of the gate without a lot is this, this crazy Amazon Echo. You, we, you, you. I was talking about it with you in pre-show. We won't spend much time talking about it, but that thing has worked out of the gate and has been has been pretty cool. I mean, it's it's one of those technologies I don't hear a lot of. Yeah, search doesn't work great on it, but I haven't heard a lot of besides that. I haven't heard a lot more around that. Hey, you had another little device. This is kind of interesting because this yeah. is one of those stories of failure when we think about a device that could have been so good right. but wasn't. Show All us right. that. So, so let, me, let me backstory it a little bit. So uh, uh, our house sometimes has water issues, as many houses do, but it's required us to tear the floor up at least once. And uh, we are stressed like crazy about water. Uh, so we, I found this product online called Wally, W-A-L-L-Y. And uh, it was a bit pricey. It was like 300 bucks, but it came with a base unit and six sensors. And the sensors, I brought one. They are small. They're just a little bit about the size of a credit card, maybe about an inch thick or so. Um, I love this thing. This thing is awesome. Uh, I can't tell you how much anxiety we had going to the in-laws we see a storm is coming, and we had water issues. You know, there's water coming in. We have to control it, but we put towels down, and we switch them all night, you know. It was ridiculous. It was ridiculous. <laughs> uh, and then we get anxiety about leaving the house yeah. when there's a storm coming. Yeah. So after some many words of frustration were exchanged, uh, we got the Wally. And from the setup to how it works to how it technically works, love it. Um, so probably one of the most the, the easiest product I've ever set up, I would say, because there is no you don't plug it into your Wi-Fi router. You plug it into the wall, and then it talks with something else, and it figures out how to connect to your home network. Maybe maybe I did have to load its web page, but 
There, there was something magical about that happened with that. I can't remember what it was. It basically did some DNS spoofing to make sure you set it up, whatever. But after that is a mobile app, and the mobile app figured out everything. But the coolest thing about this, so, so it's a basic sensor, right? This little sensor, um, it's got a small battery inside of it, and it's supposed to last 10 years. Temperature sensor, humidity sensor, and it's got the contacts for water. So you put it on the floor, if water leaks, it makes contact. And then, like, all you have to do is you set it on the floor. You're like, oh my gosh, Zach, how does it talk to the base station? What is going on? Well, when you read the white paper for things like this, what they figured out is they're using your home wiring and your home plumbing, anything that's grounded, to send very low hertz signals from these little devices through your walls back to the base device, which is picking it up on power line. So I, I literally didn't have to do... I didn't. It doesn't matter where I put the thing, as long as it's close to a wall that has either wiring or a grounded pipe. So it's down in the basement corner that Wi-Fi doesn't reach is, next to the cinder blocks, is under the water heater. So we have six sensors around the house. And uh, then the app and service that it uses, it will do you know, monitoring. But the biggest thing is, yep, works with Nest. Uh, Justin says the biggest thing is um, when there is a water leak, it will alert us. The base station sounds uh, kind of like a smoke alarm, and then the app starts firing. And then, you know, even if we're gone, we could call the neighbor and be like, hey, this is dumb, but can you go to our house and put some towels down? We'll be there soon. Fashion them just this way. So that... Yeah, please, please. We have a diagram. Roll, though. Follow the diagram. Um, and it worked. It worked. We had some issues with some uh, some plumbing where the water was backing up on sometimes, like, I don't know, it was a branch or something. And, uh, yeah, we were out, got an alarm. Sweet, okay. And we weren't far from home or anything. Uh, or I was home one night, and, and we, I, I was like, what is, what is that What is that noise? Well, I was running, I was thawing some fish out, and I was running the water, which, let's not tell all the eco-friends about that, but, uh, and it backed up, and it started overflowing downstairs. And we're like, it's Wally! Ran downstairs. <laughs> And we were able to save like the main carpet and all that sort of stuff, and it was great. When they when they when they talk about like peace of mind feelings, like that is exactly what this was, and it was great. But the bad side is yeah. So so hold on, it. awesome <laughs> awesome product. Yeah, worked as worked as advertised. I said to you, so what happened, right? I mean, low user adoption, right? It, yeah, low user adoption. Um, I was telling a friend it's, of mine it's about it. It's a little it. pricey, right? Two ninety nine for three hundred bucks. I think that your... that was. I think that was part of it. It might have been a point for normal consumption. Um, I was. Uh, I was telling a buddy of mine about it because he was also had some issues and with water, and a lot of people do in Nebraska. And so we open up the link, and it says buy now, and then it sends you to an Amazon. You cannot buy this page. And uh, from the I'm actually just pulling it up. Yeah. We all are. <laughs> yeah. Well, my, my email. Um, so, doo -doo 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 -doo. where'd it go? Where'd it go? Oh, yeah. So, they discontinued, apparently, so they can focus on a new version with increased functionality, broader integration with services. Um, oh, hey, wait a minute. 
they say they might be releasing a new system in April and May. Oh, very good. So maybe some new stuff out. It did get purchased by somebody else, though, right? Right. I believe point. I saw some posts and po- and you know blog entries that I think it got bought by by Sears or, or a subsidiary of Sears or something. Yeah. So it's to me it kind of sounds like something where the technology was there, it was proven, wasn't really hitting the consumer mass market. So the technology is getting passed to another area, maybe not yeah. Wally as a product, but building well, it probably, in. Another. Probably an R&D group at right. Sears, right? I mean, the Sears still has got a lot of stuff going on. They're not profitable, but they still have a lot of stuff right. going on. You know, this is an interesting story, and the reason we tell it, right? It's a great product. Uh, for those of you who bought it, it still works, right? Even though right. it's, yeah, it still works for you. Interesting, uh, in, interestingly enough. The, but here's, so we had, when we had um, Jamie on from Ring.com the other day, he, he tells a story. He may have been hours away from this similar story, right, where he runs out of money. Not enough are being sold. Mm-hmm. He's got to do something, and somebody buys him, right? In Jamie's case, he ends up on Shark Tank, and then they also end up, they get another break. Sales, uh, hockey, you know, do the, do the hockey stick, and he's, at, he's in the clear. It's really interesting, you know, we could be having, if, if these guys here at Wally would have gotten one break, right? They, they could have been successful, right? If they had somebody pick it up or some, you know, something happened. I mean, because this is cool. It, you know, like you said, one, it works. Two, it, it, it works with the Nest, so there's some additional, the Nest can right. use it for some additional sensors yep. from that standpoint, right? It'll collect that kind of data. That's really cool. And they figured out a way to use some of your internal electrical plumbing and wiring and stuff like that to kind of make it to extend the range. Some really cool tech there. Never worked. I mean, yeah. never. it worked. It didn't work from a dollars and cents standpoint, right? It didn't get picked up by somebody who could fund it until that point where people would buy it. Right. And, for, you know, from a technology perspective, you know, we see a lot of different implementations. Uh, I, I would say, like, the way the setup worked and the fact that it doesn't have wires all along the house everywhere, you know, it would... To me, it was solid. The price point was high, but for us in our personal situation, it, it was fine. Well, it's worth 300 bucks <laughs> if it didn't ruin your carpet, right? Right. Protects exactly. your carpet. It's worth 300 bucks for sure. Are those units battery? Are those replaceable batteries, or are they embedded in? Uh, they're in, they're embedded in, and they're supposedly they're supposed to last 10 years. Mm. And you know, the service probably will so no low power too. Service. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But, uh, yeah. Interesting. Any any if this and that support on those? Do you know as far as being able to get triggers? You know, I didn't check. Uh, looks like uh, Drashna maybe throw in something about there, but uh, um, you know, I didn't check. Oh, I, it's it does. Really just, it looks like he has a smiley face, so it d- it does right. look like if this and that support. So. Well, maybe I'll look at that. Are they available on like eBay? Can you get them? Oh, that's are a good there, question. Are there people selling them? Who bought them? Oh, might be a place to look. I would not see. sell this. Yeah, I mean, it works for you, right? I, nope, not going to sell it. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, does, it actually is interesting because it does tell us how much difference we have in the homes or in the rooms in our home between upstairs, downstairs, humidity, basement, because yeah, we got them yeah. kind of spread out, and we're getting a real good feed on. Yeah, the bedroom is really hot. Do you have a nest? Yeah, we have a nest. We have a nest. Cool. Yeah. yeah. Well, it does look like maybe they have a, another product coming, like you said, maybe April. Yeah, April, so maybe May. maybe, uh, maybe Wally 2.0. Yeah, maybe with a little funding, you know, maybe, maybe it funding. will survive yeah. um, with a little funding. I think it's interesting. I think it's got some good tech in it, and the fact that it can 
sit on your floor for 10 years because that kind of stuff, right? You, you set it down and then you really do forget it. Like you right. forget it's there. It's, it's one of those things you, you're like, I'm never going to check it again. Um, so it's cool. Yeah. Now, I, do, I would add, if you're having water issues, the, the, the water has to hit the contacts. I also have a very basic backup sensor, which is like a strip, like a wire strip for the areas that might be a little bit bigger. Uh, so you have to kind of, you know, depending on how water goes, you might have to yeah. guess your locations. But Is that laid flat or do you lay it yeah. like... Is Both. It like, yeah. You can lay okay. it flat, you can lay it upright. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I would say, I would, well, I do recommend it. If it's going to be selling again and you have potential water issues or do you want to have extra sensors, I think you can buy the sensors. At the one point, you could buy the sensors separate. And uh, I guess you need a base station to talk with Nest, but I don't know. It's yeah. kind of like your own personal ad hoc sensor network. That's pretty cool. It's a little Internet of Things enabled, you know, when we think about um, we set the sensors in the house. I mean, think about that. Now you've got, uh, you know, you've got some temperature, humidity, could have motion. That would probably take a little more battery to be able to do motion. Right but, now? you know, pretty, pretty interesting. And, and maybe, think about this, what if it created a mesh inside the house? Right. You know? So that wireless point you can't get to because your router can't, you know, you can, the wireless the wireless uh, router can't reach it, all of a sudden it becomes a little base station and, and uh, it, you're able to connect through that. So all that takes more juice, right? I get that. I'm not, you know. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. So actually, if you don't mind... I don't know if you can you does this show, does my screen no, show up great. on your uh, yep yep your deal? Oh, yeah okay. this is the this is the back end of the of the uh, the Wally home and it's talking to Nest and we can go in and look at trends and temperatures for each of the different sensors now no now I'm wondering why it's not picking up on all the times but uh, there we go are there some recipes in there um, that have already been done. Uh, for the if this and that, yeah, I haven't looked. This is just the uh, the admin for the for the. Oh, you know what? Itself. We yeah, we only see the if this then that page. Oh, because I'm on the wrong yeah. screen. There, there we go. go. Awesome. Right Thank you. Thank you. There we go. So centers down the side here, and uh, let's see. So you can see we get you know nice. temp average temperatures, temperatures thresholds in there. If it gets below a certain I mean, it'd be great near a pipe that, you know, mm -hmm. if this area is going to get below, you know, 22 degrees or 20 degrees, let's say, uh, Fahrenheit, well, that pipe's probably going to freeze. So I want to know if this area is getting too cold. It reminds me a lot of uh, SNMP traps that uh, you might use, like, in facilities planning where, you know, you have the, the door open or the temperature of your servers running. It's It seems some of the data is coming through in, in kind of a similar format. When it does event management, acknowledging the event, Silencing the events, you know, reminds me of some like uh, some of those SNMP traps. Yeah. Look at the wild fluctuation in uh, humidity. Yeah, that's that's the winter. <laughs> it's a winter in Nebraska. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, or your water heater down in that area. That's forty-four percent, and yet you're seeing some highs of fifty-nine percent in the basement storage room. Is that a wetter room at fifty-nine percent? Do you typically have water problems in that room, and is that humidity being driven up by the presence of water? Uh, I hope not. 
Uh, <laughs> just, the alarm's not going off. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> no, but I mean, does it does it naturally? Does it have some water? It's it's like the sump uh, pump or something maybe where there's water. No, there's there. no sump pump in there, but it is the like the cinder block to the to the soil uh, room where in the water where the water heater is. You know, that's that's all dry because it's in the utility room and everything. Right, probably near the furnace too, right? Yep, probably near the furnace. So. Cool. I like, no, I, yeah. I, I like I like the Wally. The, the the coin and the Wally, the Wally wins out. Wally's the winner. Yeah. Well it's good. It's 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 a great story of uh what you know of a company that didn't make it. It's gonna get consumed by a bigger Sears. Hopefully they won't drive it into the ground. And uh and maybe it will reappear out as something cool. So we'll we'll try to keep keep track of that and uh and see if if, uh, if it shows back up again, Zach, let me know, and we'll talk about it here on the show. Hey, one more thing um, before we kind of uh, in this, ta- you know, before we kind of bring this in for landing. You, I, I we talk all the time on about uh, a mouse without borders, and we use it here. A lot of the listeners are, are Windows users, but a lot of them are not. And uh, and so a product you've been using, or a KMV, uh, so to speak, that you you've been using called Synergy, right? Mm-hmm. You were showing me that's works multi-platform, so Mac, Windows, and Linux. And you were showing me you were controlling that. Uh, what, what's the laptop behind you? Is what? I've got a little uh, Acer. Uh, what's it called? Switch Acer Switch 10. It's like uh, you know the top pops off of it kind of deal. Running Windows 10, um, but I've been using uh, yeah a product called Synergy, and it uses uh, the network to pass your keyboard and mouse controls. You have a server, it's a client-server protocol, so the server runs on your main workstation, like the one I have in front of me, and then each device gets a client application, and it basically, you know, it used to broadcast over the broadcast, you know, band of the network. It, it doesn't do that anymore, and it actually does encrypt with public-private key asymmetric encryption, thankfully. Um, yeah, that's the one, Synergy Project, I believe, yeah. I, and, I said, uh, and I called it a KMV. I, I, did, I, did I say that? I thought I said KVM. You said KVM, I yeah, thought. I thought but I now, maybe I was thinking of the extension KMV, which yeah, is maybe. something. That's different, yeah. Uh, KMV. Uh, no, I've been using it for a couple of years, and so what I do at home, or even sometimes at work, I'll have the, the little netbook just kind of sitting down in front, and that's running my, running my music or my time-tracking software, uh, but then it's just a very seamless mouse drag down, and there it is. You can, you know, you arrange the position of the devices in relation yeah. to each other. Is there security? Is there a security code that needs to be passed between yeah. each one of those so that they make a connection? Yeah, you have a, there's like a you enter in a shared password, but then they do, a, if, from what I understand, asymmetric encryption both sides. So, uh, but I've used it with Linux. I've used it with Mac. Um, and it's it's nice because they don't necessarily have to be on the same wired network. I think one of the earlier versions you needed to be in the same broadcast domain because it was just sending it. Uh, I may be wrong about that, but I've, that's what I kind of remember. Uh, but now it's it's uh, you know it could be IP or like BIOS net BIOS name or something like that. You can give it. So in other words, if you've got PCs that are in different a different subnet or or whatever, you could right. give it the IP address and it would find it. As long as the as long as the ports are open across the the boundaries, you bet. So I guess technically I could be controlling something from home, but it'd be very hard to see from here. Yeah. Well, Mark is saying he may have to replace his um, 
his input director, we were looking at that's another solution yeah. like this input director, open source, uh, truly open source uh, on this case. Synergy's got a pricing associated with it, and it's not open source. Ten dollars for a for the a lifetime, by the way, ten dollars lifetime for this thing. If you want the pro version, twenty nine dollars lifetime. That's the way. It shouldn't break anybody's bank. Right. If you want to go that route, uh, there's some uh, discussion in chat about Mouse Without Borders. Let's remember that's just a Windows product, so it works great on Windows. That's when I use that at work. We've we've used that quite a bit, and I use that here in the studio. Um, Synergy would work just as well, and Mark, even your solution, Input Director, would would work across those platforms as well. Two of those I never heard of before we talked about this. That's that's pretty cool. This kind of opens it up again. I got kind of zeroed in on Mouse Without Borders because I'm a Windows mm -hmm. guy. Right, and and you kind of stop looking, but uh, with Mac, you know, with Mac OS uh, in a lot more places now than it was four or five years ago, and it's showing up in a lot more places, and people wanting to do Mac PC together in that case, or even Linux, even Ubuntu, right? If you wanted to run, that seems to be showing up in a few more places these days. Not yeah. a bad, uh, not a bad way to go across it. Yeah, and uh, the Synergy project, it was something that I, you know, I think it was one of those, just you know, a guy was writing it, and then I believe they actually turned into a company recently and hired some more folks, and they've been upping their game with development and uh, um, support and things like that. So I don't know where they're going next, but um, it looks like it's picking up some speed. Yeah, Drashna threw a nice link in there, alternative to .NET, as far as uh, if you're looking for alternative pieces of software for other stuff, ah. good way to keep up. He reminds me, never stop looking. Well, you know, you can't, there's only so many so many hours in the day, and uh, with, a, with a pretty busy full-time job, sometimes I have to stop looking, but it's, uh, it's good. That's why we do the podcast, right? This is why I do this, is because it's a great way for me to learn as well as you. Uh, out there to uh, pick up new pick up new things. I hear all the time. Oh, I never even knew about this and this stuff. We take for granted for you know we take for granted all the time, and yet um, um, pretty cool. Yeah. So Justin says uh, this would be a good use with a kangaroo PC. You know, we looked at those. Have you seen the kangaroos? The little, they're little. Um, uh, we had the guys on the show back show like two forty something. They're li literally phone-sized PCs. They have a two-gig oh, version. I'm looking at it now. Yeah, yeah, have a two-gig and a four-gig RAM version with 32 or 64-gig of RAM in the box. And then uh, the smaller version runs Windows. The larger version is OS independent. You could put your favorite version of Linux on it. Wow. I had to go back and check that. Uh, that yeah, and the price out. point is really reasonable. The ninety-nine dollars for the for the oh, small yeah. version, and one seventy-nine, I think, is what they're selling the the other version for. Uh, make great kiosk computers. Here's the cool thing: it comes with a battery, so you unplug it and just carry it with you, and then take it. You know, the battery will go about four hours, and so wow. you could you need to shut your Windows instance down. Just start <laughs> unplug some stuff, put it in your pocket, take it with you. When you get to the next place, plug it back in, and all fires back up. It's kind of cool. Yeah. Okay, we had we had the guys. Let me see what show number that was. So uh, yeah, that you might be interested. We we interviewed the guys from that. We were looking for. Um, it all started because we were looking for uh, a PC for Mike Weeger uh, that we, he could get into. He's a Mac guy, and I wanted to get a cheap Windows that had some performance to it. And so we gave mm -hmm. him the Kangaroo. 
kind of changed his life. All of a sudden, he's talking about putting Windows servers in his house. Uh-huh. <laughs> All running on Kangaroo. <laughs> Server rack. Yeah, kind of deal. 239 is HGG 239 is the, uh, I think, is the right one. Um, that was the, oh, we talked about it there. That may not be the only one. One sec here. Let's take a peek. Check those out. Just go out to theaverageguy.tv. In the search box, type kangaroo. Okay, and let's see. Line up. Oh, no. It is, it's 241. So we talked about it in 239, but 241 is the one. Ben Chu from um, In Focus is the company that makes those. We haven't talked about them in a while. They were hot for a while. Hmm. And, uh, and and then, you know, like anything, it's cycled back out. 241 has the interview with Ben. So pretty cool if you want to take a peek. And then they've, they've since that show, released this 4-gig uh, version. They were hinting about it in the show when we were talking to them. They wouldn't say for sure. So, well, Zach, nice job. An hour. That goes pretty fast, doesn't it? It does go by pretty fast. Yeah, it does go pretty fast. We, we, we won't wait five years before we have you back on, on Home Gadget Geeks here uh, in the future. Hey, what's, uh, what's in the future at the attic? Uh, any big plans as you think about anything you talk about? Uh, as, you, as you go forward over the next five years, what are you thinking? St- same? you just going to kind of get to grow, keep cranking out the same stuff? What would you like to see the attic grow? Well, we are, we are... We are investing time in bettering our developers for you know good development practices, you know more like unit testing and uh, you know unit testing, woo, uh, and uh, you know integration, more continuous integration work, you know. So, uh, you know we're we're just trying to do better at getting faster with changing and adapting to the new stuff. So you know we're trying more with Heroku and newer frameworks and. Um, but we're also expanding the types of folks that we're hiring. You know, over the last year we've had, or two years we've had students who are specifically graphic designers, and we're getting students in more of the scrum master role to have more of that team environment. Uh, you know, where there's actually, you know, it used to be kind of a if you had one person to do everything, that was great. But now we're like, okay, well, you're designer, you're going to work with our developer, and you've got a scrum master over here, so everybody's getting kind of a some experience in uh, their area of focus. Five years, who knows? Who knows? Maybe we'll make the next big. Uh, maybe we'll turn into a startup and take over the town. I have no idea. Yeah, I yeah I'd like to see. You know, one of the things we're thinking about this year, um, we're going to share our high school interns with UNO. We're going to do a couple events where we come over there. We bring ours over there, and we'll bring the UNO high school kids um, well, definitely to, bring to, to our campus. Um, but it's one of those kinds of things. You know, we have been we've been doing a lot of thinking about. We get these high schoolers that have these these winter projects they have to work on. You know, these ideas of, you know, one kid had a holiday decoration rental company that he was writing. You know, he's writing all the software for kind of deal and. Mm-hmm. And uh, one kid wrote a really simple budgeting program, and one did kind of a notes program where you could, you know, put notes in there. And all that stuff's been done before, but you know, we're trying to get them kind of working on things and thinking about stuff. You never know what kind of good ideas are going to come out of it. And one of the things, and the reason PKI, the Peter Kiewit Institute that that you're a part of there, the building that you're in, one of the original ideas of the Peter Kiewit Institute is that it would be an incubator for for startups in the Omaha area. And it's had, I think, limited success in getting some of that done. We haven't. Omaha is not necessarily the center of startup of the startup. Although 
over the last year, it's exploded uh, between mm-hmm. Des Moines, Omaha, and Kansas City. Yeah, it's amazing. As I've been following Silicon Prairie News and doing that podcast with them, there's all kinds of startups going on here in the Midwest now. People are starting to realize your money goes a lot farther in Omaha, Nebraska, than it does in San Jose, California. That's true. You know. That's true. Actually, speaking of coming up, March 21 through 26, Omaha Startup Week. Yeah. So yeah. there's a bunch of stuff going on. Drop in, drop in talks and uh, tours and various things like that. Well, Zach, we've been thinking about, you know, how do we create a little incubator for these some of these projects where they get going, and then the kids they they, they may not they may not end when the semester ends, right? They may right. keep going, and how can we provide these platforms where they, you know, then they may actually be hackathon projects where folks come in and work on them and expand them, and and eventually they get maybe get some traction and get launched. That's and always so, the tough part. That from concept to proof no, to right on. traction. That, yeah. Yeah, it's the hard part, and sometimes these kids, you know, as as we've been working with them, they just don't have any idea how to do it. And so, uh, I I think those those are some areas where you know we can partner together, continue to partner together on as we work on some. We you and I get enterprise focused, but we've got these great startup ideas uh, going on right under our nose. Uh, there, both at UNO and at uh, at Gallup. So it's um it's always great working with you. So, thanks for taking a few minutes to jump on Home Gadget Geeks. That was fun. It's no, fun. it's good, isn't it? Yeah, we get to talk yeah. about good stuff and learn a whole bunch of what, new things from these. No way, I do it all the time, right? <laughs> yeah, I guess so. I guess so. Hey, maybe there needs to be an attic podcast. Oh yeah, we'll just have to find somebody to do that. Hey, you get busy? <laughs> I got enough to do. I uh, as we wrap this up, I'll remind everybody: if you have questions, comments, or contributions, of course, you can send me an email, Jim at the Average Guy TV. Uh, track me down on Twitter. Many of you have at Jay Collison. We'll let you know that the AverageGuy.tv platform, both web and media hosting, powered by Maple Grove Partners, gets secure, reliable, high-speed hosting from people you know and trust. And, of course, you know that's Christian. For more information, we'd ask you to go out and visit Maple Grove Partners, all one word, maplegrovepartners.com. And for as little as 10 bucks a month, you can get a and really a, a WordPress-optimized and a podcasting-optimized platform uh, out there. Works really well. So if you're thinking of starting, Zach, if you guys are ever thinking of starting a podcast, you should consider that's Maple Grove. Way to go. Okay. Maple Grove Partners. We'll thank Roger over at WLMN Radio for uh, we do some terrestrial uh, broadcasting of the signal. This show goes out over radio in Grafton, really? Virginia. Yeah, it's pretty it's pretty crazy that it started as a podcast and now it's going out uh, every month. No, every weekday, 9 a.m. Eastern to 9 to 10, uh, Home Gadget Geeks is heard on um, on WLMN Radio. So we thank Roger for broadcasting that. Out there, kind of fun. We're still waiting to hear from somebody in Grafton. So if you're listening to this in Grafton, West Virginia, send me an email, Jim at TheAverageGuy.tv. All I have to say is listening. That's all I want to know, that somebody's actually listening out there in Grafton, West Virginia, and we'll thank Roger for that. You can also listen to Home Gadget Geeks on the new Android and iPhone app. Both live and recorded versions are available out there. One single app, search Home Gadget Geeks in the Play Store, iTunes, or the App Store if you want to, but the easiest way to do it is head over to homegadgetgeeks.com. There's big buttons there. One says Android, one says iPhone. It'll install to your to your uh, phone, and then you can uh, have the audio versions ready. You don't if you listen to them in other ways on YouTube, come out live. You don't have to have them. Just have it as a backup. It's one of those kinds of things. So love some feedback on the Apple thing. Spreaker, they uh, of course built that for us, and LastPass paid to have it done as a sponsor. And so we'll thank those guys over at LastPass. Dot com. Don't forget to use the Amazon affiliate links, and you guys have been doing that pretty well. So just head over to theaverageguy.tv slash Amazon. And some of you have been asking about 
Um, and, and actually, um, I think it was Mark asked about the kangaroo. We were just talking about that. It looks like that 64 gig version is out of stock already. It's only been available on Newegg, but if you find it, uh, that works. But if you're buying on Amazon, theaverageguy.tv slash Amazon, we, if you missed it, we, um, we had Kyle put in, you know, we, we bought Kyle as part of the scholarship fund a uh, high-tech baby monitor, and he deployed it in part one of that, uh, of the post, of the review. even did a video. You guys should check it out. TheAverageGuy.tv, look in the, uh, the review section. Uh, Kyle did a nice job with some pictures and a video as well, an unboxing, so to speak, of it, and so he gives his uh, honest opinion of it. Pretty cool project, and we only can do that because you uh, you support the scholarship fund when you purchase items on Amazon and use that link. Very, very helpful. If you're in Canada, you can use theaverageguy.tv slash AmazonCA if you'd like to do that, and we keep trying to do that uh, as well. I'd say sign up for the newsletter, but I have been super delinquent on getting the newsletter out. I don't, I don't know what my issue is. I just think things, things are too busy here for now. But if you want to sign up, I will get back to the newsletter at some point. There's a sign up for it on the homepage right there at theaverageguy.tv. We will be back next Thursday as we think about what's coming up here on the program. We've got some good stuff, and I just um, let, me, let me go there really quick and just kind of look and see. Although you know, when you're trying to find it, you got all these tabs open. Uh, it's never as easy to find when you're trying to do that. But we, uh, interestingly enough, as the, uh, after Zach here and uh, next week, it, Michael Murphy, who none of you know, but Michael Murphy's a podcaster. Very, very interesting story. He's a guy I met um, through Blab. And so Michael loves helping people with tech problems. And so we're going to kind of bring him on and see what's going on from the tech support uh, standpoint. Brian Freelander's coming back. Of course, he's the assisted tech guy. And we're going to talk about, he's a Surface MVP as well, so we're going to talk about what's going on in that world. Uh, we, we have our friend from the North Pole uh, coming in. Elo is going to be joining us here from way in the northern area of Europe. He's going to stay up all night uh, to be a part of what we're doing. And then Mark Mor- Moriarty from Awesound. This is kind of an interesting, an interesting startup and some of the things that they're doing around the podcasting space. But I thought the technology was interesting. So... We're going to have Mark uh, come on in a couple weeks. So we've got a lot of good stuff coming up. We'll ask you to join us every Thursday, 8 p.m. Central, 9 Eastern, out here at theaverageguy.tv slash live. If you like this, let somebody know. Pass it on. Share it with your friends. Our numbers have been up, so that's good. And uh, with that, we'll thank you for listening, and we'll say good night, everybody.